This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Orange wattles at the base of the bill hasn't been sighted in many years and may be extinct. A situation the blue wattled bird of the North Island may find itself in unless its habitat is preserved. Its delightful call includes a variety of rich organ and bell-like notes. Community or chaos, we can construct and nurture community or fall into chaos. Over the next hour, Marvin Hubbard hosts conversations toward creating a fairer, more equal society. Community or Chaos is made possible with the support of Quakers Aotearoa. You'll find them online at quaker.org.nz. Good morning, friends. Today we have with us Andrew Henderson, who is the Executive Officer for Dean Budget Advisory Service. It's a um, good thing to think about at Christmas time. <laughs> it is. And you can podcast this by going to oar.org.nz or going to podcast and then going to Community or Chaos. Well, good to have you with us again, Andrew. Thank you for having me in, Marvin. I think it's been a, a long time since yeah. I've, I've been on Community or Chaos. Well, I think have to think hard about your first name. <laughs> yes, but here I am. In yeah, my here. son's called Andrew, and he also works for an NGO. Oh, very good. Uh, Citizens Advice, Wellington. Oh, nice. Very good. But yes, the, the birds are singing, and we're in this lovely new studio. Yeah. And it's a very comfortable place, actually. Yeah, it's nice. And so. You've got shades all around, so you can either have the sunlight or you can have the, cut the uh, glare, either one. Yeah. But looking forward to having a chat with you, Marvin. Why did you choose to uh, work with a budgetary advice service instead of, say, being a financial advisor to a hedge fund or a financial <laughs> management service, which might have brought in much more money personally for you? Ooh, straight in there. Um, um, it was actually just a little ad that I saw in the Otago Daily Times um, 13 years ago now, and they were looking for a... Um, part-time coordinator, assistant coordinator, sorry, um, for the Dunedin Budget Advisory Service. And I thought, what's that? I've never heard of that before. And um, upon further investigation, I found um, there was a lot of synergy between what um, DBAS, as we call it for short, what DBS does, and um, I guess my personal values. Um, so I've always uh, been interested in social justice. Uh, don't don't quite know if you'd say I'm a a lefty, but I'm I'm definitely community minded. Um, and there was just a an alignment. I've always worked for for profits uh, in my previous adventures, shall we say, and yeah, part-time, so I, I took this job and lo and behold, a few years later, here I am with the opportunity to 
look after the organisation, along with our voluntary governance board. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I really enjoy what I do. I we we can't help everybody, unfortunately, but when we can help people, uh, it is personally a very rewarding job. And um, even just seeing our staff grow, we've got a a great crew at um, DBS and all sorts of um, ages, genders. Um, it's it's great to yeah. See, see people growing. Do you think that community work and um, NGOs are are growing? That um, maybe there's a moral or ethical change coming in the younger generations, people between the ages of um, twenty and fifty. Yeah, I oh, I don't have my my fingers on any numbers there, Marvin. I. I do know um, possibly detrimentally but there's a lot more focus on professionalism now which um, is needed and often a lot of those traditional volunteer roles are quite quite hard to fill nowadays um, with all the compliance, all the health and safety um, I guess making making sure children are looked after. Um, you do need to be careful nowadays, but it, it is it is certainly possible, and there are um, amazing community groups, not not just like ours. Um, so whether it's um, ethnic um, groups, whether it's sporting groups, whether it's special interest groups, um, we need all those groups um, to be a vibrant society really don't we yes do you think we could be going too far along the route of, of demanding complete safety and having more and more regulation um good question so i guess um up front i'll say i'm speaking my own opinions here sure. not not of the organization um personally i always think it's a fine line between you can make well, it's on a spectrum. You can make something really safe, but almost impossible to do, or you can make something really easy to do, but it can be quite unsafe. So the the trick with any, um, I guess, risk management is trying to find that balance between making something happen and then also mm. um, making it happen in a safe way. And I guess we went through a lot of that with watching our our government, the New Zealand government, trying to balance the um, COVID response. So it was a, a completely new thing that we faced as a country and we could act in a really, really safe way, but that could be at the detriment of jobs, incomes, um, so there's always a balance there. Do you think we realise in the COVID, I, this isn't probably the subject we should be, <laughs> but do you think we might, we've forgotten how serious it was and how many people in places like the United States and Britain where they uh, thought that uh, 
the economy came first. How many people died before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also that has its economic costs in the long run. It, it has. Um, I, I feel blessed that we live in New Zealand. Um, I think I'm, I'm very happy with the response that happened here. Uh, perhaps there are things that could have been done differently, but we'd never faced something mm. like this before. Mm. And I think Let's say we don't actually have too much practice. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, definitely not. Um, but you're, I think you're right. I think we did it better than could be expected, certainly better than many of our other, yeah, yeah. other countries. And, and as you were touching on, I think we have forgotten. If we think back three years, back to 2020... I I was scared. Like, it was, this was, ser- we'd never had to go into a, a lockdown before. We'd never not been able to go to work before. This was unprecedented times for New Zealand. And now people seem quite blasé about the whole thing. Mm. And, um, yeah, that, that does concern me. Don't don't forget what what happened. <laughs> Could you talk about the history of uh, Dunedin Budget Advice and maybe even Budgetary Advice Services around New Zealand? Oh, goodness. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so for our organisation, uh, DBAS, DBAS was actually quite instrumental in setting up um, budgeting nationally. Um, DBAS was established back in 1972 and the way I remember that is that's the same year I was established (laughs) shall we say (laughs) Um, uh, so back in those days um, there was a I guess a a group of um, concerned individuals uh, predominantly um, through the Dunedin Rotary Club and they could see a a need for um, Dunedin residents uh, to improve their skills um, with their, their personal finances. And they um, formed the Budget Advisory Service. Everything was done voluntarily. Um, with all of that, um, I guess procedures needed to be established, training, all, all of the um, things required to support the community to um, manage their finances. Um, eventually, and for quite a, a long time, um, a coordinator was employed by the service and then all of the other staff were volunteers and as the, the years have rolled by, the service has become less reliant on um, the work of volunteers and um, more on, yes, ha- having um, trained staff that are um, managed centrally through our office. What year was that again? The 70s? Uh- 1972. Well, it was very pathetic because New Zealand was really in fairly good shape economically and people, Mm. almost everybody had a job and people were reasonably well paid. 
Yeah. And they, um, and the welfare state was still alive then. So, social welfare, yes. And, but it turned out that in uh, 24, 25 years, they need it badly. Yes. Um, <laughs> and of course, we had um, Rogernomics came yeah. along in the 80s. Yeah. Um, but nobody would have guessed that in 1972. No, no. Norman Kirk was prime minister. I, um, I find it really interesting going back and looking at old, um, like, AGM minutes and old newsletters. And as our name suggests, Dunedin Budget Advisory Service. And back then it really was about uh, teaching people to prepare a budget and being mindful of what comes in and what goes out and looking at uh, goals, like perhaps they want to go on a family holiday or buy a car, and how to go about putting money aside within their budget to do those things. Whereas nowadays, almost all of the work we do is about managing crisis. It's not really about um, learning how to budget so you can um, pay for things. It's actually people that can't afford to do things aren't managing or drowning in debt. So there has been a market shift in the work that we do since those days back in the 70s. Who, who comes in and asks for financial advice? Can be anybody and everybody. Um, so we're a free uh, service. Everything is kept confidential. We're non-judgmental. You can be um, a single person on your own. You can be a family. You can um, have a good income. You can be on a benefit. You can um, be from another country. Uh, maybe you don't even speak English. Um, and we will try to make things work. But basically, our only real criteria are that you are in financial hardship or at risk of financial hardship, which pretty much covers everybody, if you think about it. Um, and, yeah, so we're freely ava available, paid for through the government and the city council um, and some other generous um, grant funders. And um, the services here, and people are free to use it. How can one apply for advice and help from budget advice? Well, how do you, if you're, if you've heard vaguely of budget advice, or yeah, and you you need help all of a sudden, where do you go and how do you get that help? Well, uh, often a people, uh, a lot of people have never heard of us, so we're always trying to get the word out there. Um, I guess you don't find out about us until perhaps you need us or someone else suggests us. Um, but we're on Facebook. People can look us up on Facebook through Dunedin Budget Advisory. Uh, we have a website. If you search for budget advice in Dunedin, we pop up. Our website is budgetingdunedin.co.nz. Uh, through our website, you can message us and we will respond back to any queries or if you have a question or if you are wanting to set up an appointment. 
you can simply pick up the phone and call us. So our number is 03471-6158 and uh, we can schedule a, an appointment with you. Uh, we have a, a team of five, there's five of us, and um, we'll see you as soon as we can. Uh, generally we don't have a waiting list of more than about a week, which is uh, pretty quick, I like to think. Um, obviously when you have a, a financial issue, the sooner you're seen the better. Um, often, and this is human nature here, when things aren't looking so great or you're not sure about something, not sure what to do or you're in a bit of a crisis, it can be very easy to think she'll be right, it'll go away. Um, it can be embarrassing to ask for help. Um, so often people leave things to the last minute when things have really um, hit the fan, shall we say, and... Um, Basically, the, the sooner you pick up that phone or do that Google search and um, get us involved, um, the better. So, mm -hmm. yeah. You're at 45, I mean, 43 Princess Street now, aren't you? We are. So we recently shifted. Um, so we're no longer based down there in Lower Moray Place. Uh, you can find us at 43 Princess Street. Um, so that's a good point, Marvin. People can, they're free to drop in. We're on level one and make an appointment with us that way. How does budget advisors, how do you fund yourselves? Well, <laughs> uh, so the bulk of our funding comes through the government. That is... Um, a contract with the Ministry of Social Development. We also administer the Dunedin City Council Consumer Electricity Fund. Uh, so the council pays us for that um, back office work. So I guess I can just touch on that. Um, if you live in Dunedin and you in the Dunedin City rateable area, which is roughly from about just north of um, Tyree Mouth up to about halfway through Wekawaiti. <laughs> um, you may be eligible for a grant to help with paying your electricity costs. So um, that's all paid for through the council. And um, yeah, you go through a, a quick assessment and through one of our staff, and if you qualify, then we can make a payment to help with the um, cost of power for your home. Well, that's good news for families in the wintertime. Very much so. It's a very um, busy fund, I can tell you that. Um, last year we processed around 650 applications, which is a lot. So we also, um, we have other um, agencies around Dunedin that can also um, make applications to the fund, which we um, pay on their behalf. So you can also reach out to 
Catholic Social Services in South Dunedin, Presbyterian Support Family Works in town. Um, they're they're the, the main, main other agencies. Well, we'll play some music now and then we'll come back. Thanks, Marvin. At a dollar down and a dollar a week Every time he turned the wheel Was a dollar down and a dollar a week He was riding down the road Just a scallop on her cheek Speed cop took him to the judge Got a dollar down And a dollar a week Sixty days he laid in jail At a dollar down and a dollar a week Another man was loving his gal At a dollar down and a dollar a week he shot the man, laid him in the graveyard six foot deep, and when he walked the graveyard spot was a dollar down, and a dollar a week. We're talking with Andrew Henderson of Dean Budget Advice Advisory Service. You can podcast this by going to oar.org.nz and then going to podcast and going to Community or Chaos. And we're talking about budget advice or service, the services they give and they need for budget advice. Uh, how will inflation and increased interest rates affect the short-term financial future for typical working-class New Zealanders or Kiwis? That's quite a big question too, isn't it? Yeah. Um, So obviously inflation and increasing interest rates, um, probably the biggest thing that Kiwis notice is the increased cost of accommodation. So that's where the Kiwis are are paying a mortgage. Uh, so mortgages, as I'm sure you'll be aware from the media, have been going up and up and up over the last couple of years. And likewise, so has the cost of rental accommodation. So rents are on the rise as well. And basically those rises are meaning that um, households have less. It's not even disposable income. Um, Money that's needed for other essentials of life, such as food, transport, medical bills, uh, possibly education. So it affects everything within a household's finances. Um, The food's gone up, yeah, the uh, even power's going up, 
and uh, it's a lot of families have really had to um, adjust to living within within their means. Have people lost accommodation because they couldn't meet the rent or mortgage? Ah, uh, yes, people have had to downsize. People have faced um, mortgagee sales, losing their house. That can be, um, I guess, that's the ultimate that's step a bank awful, would really. take. Yeah, I mean, and it's not not something that we see commonly, but it can happen. Um, and if if um, I would really encourage people that are facing a situation like that. The big thing is about communicating with with their bank as soon as they know there's a problem, like this mortgage rate, I'm not going to be able to afford it, or uh, perhaps I've lost my job, um, perhaps my employer's downsized or restructured, Um, perhaps you've fallen sick, unwell, you're um, unable to live in the way that you were previously and without talking to the bank they don't know these things so um, communicating is really important and often the bank the bank loses as well if, if things go as far as a, a mortgagee sale um, and that's not really something they want to see either so by working together and communicating I keep saying that word um Hopefully, you can come to a workable situation. If if you're proactive, it may be actually selling your house for yourself rather than letting the bank do it for you because you'll come out a lot worse off. So, actually facing the problem is really important. Um, but it, yeah, the last couple of years have been really tough for Kiwis. Um, and likewise around the world, I would suggest. It's not just a New Zealand problem, is it? Do we have to be more careful about mortgages, taking out mortgages? First, in the question of buying a house, you have to look carefully that you're going to be able to actually pay the mortgage off in the yes. medium term. I, I think a lot of people were surprised. Um, so um, looking back to... The 2020, um, the values of houses were going through the roof. Interest rates were super low, unprecedentedly low, um, possibly due to the pandemic again. So the the cash rates were cut. So actually getting yourself into a home was... Um, probably the easiest it's ever been. And back then, interest rates of, say, 1.5%, 2 2% per annum, compared to now, where they're mm. hovering around 7%, that's a massive difference. And even, may I suggest, the banks weren't expecting rises like that, and it has put people into some um, pickles. It surprises me that uh, in 2020 that it was easy to buy because we, even then we had a housing shortage. We did, yeah. 
we've had a problem with housing for many years now. Well, we've been more likely to sell off state assets, public housing, than to build it. Yes. Well, <laughs> I guess speaking personally again, um, I was always mystified by some of those decisions. Um, um, state housing is a, a huge asset, really. And it, it seems to me sometimes that um, this is personal, but um, neoliberal politics, asperity politics, often means redistributing wealth from the many to the few. Yes. So, so some people do benefit by it. <laughs> the one percenters, eh? And often they're the, often people that have the, the hand or the button on the power. Yeah. So the the what do they call it? The trickle down effect that yeah. that never happened. It never happens. Is it? No. The illusion. <laughs> yeah. So it's. I guess it's. Um, people still, you know, they're still acting like it works. I know. I'm. Mystifies me, <laughs> and it mystifies me that you know even center left, so-called center left parties will say, "Oh, we're not going to bother with taxes, or mm. whether taxes are fair, or are you are working or not." So it's um, yeah, get, getting into all of those sorts of issues. Like um, if you invest in property, why should you not pay a tax for? <laughs> Profits that it you seems make. to me that not having a capital gains tax, not having a tax on investment in property means that you're going to invest in not necessarily in building houses, but just invest in the land, mm -hmm. and the house, and you won't invest in other useful things like maybe we could, you know, be seeing how we could improve the the use and sale of wool in New Zealand or mm. things like that. Or a productive, know, a productive investment. Yeah, and that one that is I dearly lacking, unfortunately. But yes, I I agree, personally. And um, another head scratcher is with the big international corporates that come in, um, often get tax cuts to come into New Zealand. So whether they're making movies here or you know the big um, big technology companies often don't pay a lot of tax just for the pleasure of being able to make money off New Zealanders, which uh, baffles me as well. But all personal opinions. What's the short term for future look like for for most New Zealanders? In you, well. Um, Middle-income New Zealanders, or typical working class. Um, oh, really is difficult to say, isn't it, Marvin? But I, I do, I have heard some things that are worrying me. Um, so the incoming government, because they haven't formed a government yet, um, so we don't actually know what policies they're um, agreeing yet to um, to form a government with but there's been mentions of things like winding back the 
um, safer protections that the previous government brought in for um, lending money to people. So a lot of work was done to make sure that um, finance companies and the likes need to um, act responsibly and make sure that credit is safe. And there has been mention in the media, so I can say it, um, that they're looking to pull back on some of those um, protections to make lending um, easier for businesses. Um, I've heard things like um, cutting back on the um, free prescription costs that um, we've been enjoying. Yes, you can say, oh, it's only $100 a year for someone, the fee free prescriptions, it's saving $100, but $100 is quite a lot of money to some people. And if you're living week to week, I think people will start to miss out on um, medications that they need. Won't they end up in the hospital actually costing more? Correct. Um, there's been a lot of talk about um, cutting back on... Um, Uh, I can't remember the, the term for them. Um, so workers that work for government departments. Oh, public Public servants. servants. Yes, there's been a lot of talk about cutting back on public servants, which um, we already have a health system that's struggling. We have an education system that's struggling. Um, um, transport look at the state of some of our roads and making these cutbacks does worry me um, possibly the real head scratcher for me is actually um, with the um, Tarao language where they're um, I guess speaking we're using Tereo in government um, departments. Possibly that's um, going to be reduced as well, which I I find interesting because I guess we've seen a, bud, a big upswing in government departments naming themselves with Tereo names, and um, that's something I actually welcome. So if that was to be rolled back, the, the, the way we learn about our culture is by, by using the language of our country. And, um, yeah, I've, I've found it useful for my knowledge of um, Te Reo. So I think there will be a lot of changes coming. So, well, One of the interesting things, considering all the changes that are coming, was the lack of debate about... Um, Policy. I mean, we were talk we talked about um, cabinets being dysfunctional. We talked about uh, personalities of leaders. We hardly talked about policy at all. Correct. I think we had to wait an, wait an awful long time to hear tax policy, didn't we? <laughs> and when we did try to talk about tax policy, it was shot down by the <laughs> leader of the opposition. 
Yes. We... I mean, you know, we could have had that debate. Who knows which way it would have gone. Yes. But we didn't even have the discussion. And it seems to me like that uh, one of the reasons we have difficulty with some of the policies that Labor did put through is we didn't have a discussion about them. Right. And that's possibly the shortfallings of a centrist government. Um, and I guess... On the on the f- the face of it, the 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 two big parties in New Zealand are there are differences. They do definitely sit on uh, different sides of the fence, but they are quite centrist. So there are a lot of similarities between how both of them run, aren't there? Yeah. And I guess what kind of worries me is we've got a a incoming Prime Minister who I believe sees New Zealand as a business. Um, His previous experience has been with running large companies and um, he hasn't got a lot of political experience and I don't believe you can actually run a country like a business. Um, So it will be interesting to see. Would you say that the number one problem facing uh, many of the people who come into your office is actually mortgages and housing, rents, a place to live? So I actually printed off a little list here. So this is for the previous 12 months. So from 22nd of November last year until the 21st of November this year. So when I sorted things by reason for for coming into our office, the number one reason was increased cost of living. Okay. Um, number two was health issues. Interestingly, number three was mental health on its own. Um, which makes sense to me if you think about it when uh, people are struggling financially or have financial problems that is a very stressful thing to go through and often that can um, lead to poor mental health so you end up with a double whammy there's Mm -hmm. the problem the financial problem, but there's also the mental health problem alongside that. So now we have two problems we're dealing with. Um, And then as a consequence of that, when we have mental health problems, and I would, when I say we, most people in their lifetime experience mental health problems. That's not something to be ashamed of. When we are having a mental health problem, often we struggle to make good decisions. It can be everything's a bit fuzzy or you're just trying to make yourself feel better. So perhaps you feel like going shopping or someone knocks on your door trying to sell you something and you think, oh, what the heck, I just want to get rid of them so I'll sign up. 
without really thinking about it carefully. Um, so mental health can be a, a consequence of financial problems, but it can also cause financial mm. problems as well. So that are the those are the top three. Um, fourth on the list was decreased income. So you've got those in, increasing cost of living pressures, but you've also got um, loss of income coming in quite high there. I was wondering about dental care because mainly because I just went to the dentist recently, a dentist, I won't say who. Poor you. And it uh, has very small filling. Yes. And it cost about $220 for One of my workmates, I, I recently went to the dentist as well, and she said it's going to be sore on your tooth and painful on your budget, on your wallet. <laughs> and I said yes. Unbelievable. But, you know, there's dentistry, there's no real help for it unless you, well, they've got a very long waiting list at the dental school now. Yes. We're lucky to have that dental yeah. school in Dunedin. Yeah. Um, working income can help with some dental costs. Um, I suspect a lot of people don't go to the dentist because of the costs until it's too late. And you you end up with a lot of problems with um, instead of a couple hundred dollars for a, mm-hmm. for a filling, which is probably outrageous. You're paying a, a few thousand for a, a root canal or just having all your teeth pulled. Have out, your teeth pulled, yes. Which is lead to other problems. More problems. Um, so it can be really um, debilitating for someone with um, poor poor teeth. Uh, that can lead to a lot of other health problems if you have poor teeth. Um, but good dental health care is beyond many Kiwis, I would say, and uh, it's a crying shame. There was a, some talk about that leading up to the election, wasn't there? Yes, it was. Yeah. I know the Green Party was wanted to have bring in some relief there. Yeah. I'm going to play another piece of music and then we'll carry on. How do I know my youth is all spent? Might get up and go, just got up and went. But in spite of it all, I'm able to grin and think of the places my get up has been. Old age is golden, so I've heard said But sometimes I wonder as I crawl into bed With my ears in the drawer, my teeth in the cup My eyes on the table until I wake up As sleep dims my vision, I say to myself Is there anything else I should put on the shelf? But donations are warring and business is vexed I'll still stick around to see what happens next how do I know my youth is all spent? My get up and go just got up and went. But in spite of it all, I'm able to grin and think of the places my get up has been. When I was younger, my slippers were red. I could kick up my heels right over my head. 
When I was older, my slippers were blue, but still I could dance the whole night through. Now I am older, my slippers are black. I huff to the store and I puff my way back. But never you laugh, I don't mind at all. I'd rather be huffing than not puff at all. And how do I know my youth is all spent? My get up and go, just got up and went. But in spite of it all, I'm able to grin and think of the places my get up has been. I get up each morning and dust off my wits, open the paper and read the old bits. If I'm not in there, I know I'm not dead, so I eat a good breakfast and go back to bed. And how do I know my youth is all spent? My get up and go, just got up and went. But in spite of it all, I'm able to grin and think of the places my get up is been. How do I know my youth is all spent? My get up and go just got up and went. But in spite of it all, I'm able to grin and think of the places my get up has been. Get up and go. It's probably related to my age more than Andrew's age. <laughs> I thought the guy sounded so cheerful for someone that's um, yes. feeling. Well, maybe that's what we need. We need yeah. <laughs> to be as cheerful as we can. We can. To carry on. Um, speaking of age, what do, you, do you get tertiary students asking for budget advice and what are some of their financial problems? Oh, um, so interestingly, we, we get a few, but not a lot. Um, so the University Students Association is actually quite good of good at um, providing a lot of that support for um, students in-house. We do um, get referrals from the Students Association in saying that, and the referrals we do get are often around um, the cost of energy. And uh, another common one is the way that flats, student flats are set up nowadays. Someone, someone's name has to be on, on the bills. So students need to be quite careful when, when they're setting up a flat um, that if they do agree to put their name on on the bills, for example, the power or the internet, or perhaps it's a, a TV service such as Netflix or Sky TV, something like that. Um, mo most of those companies don't let you put multiple names on a bill, so it has to be one person that's living in that that flat. And come the end of the year, is young people do, they're very excited to get to their summer holidays and they leave Dunedin and head back home. 
and often um, that can leave the person whose name's on the bill with rather large bill mm. and not a, an easy way to pay it. So we do get some cases like that. Does this also include uh, rental? Does one person have to sign it for houses? So, so landlords are generally pretty good now. So everyone that's in the house Can. has their name on the lease and they have a, 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 a personal yeah. yep, personal lease with the landlord per, per room. How is a rental problem... Um, how are things changed for renting student rentals? Um, or have they? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say have they. Um, there seems to be some improvement, but there's also some some student dives out there. Um, it, yes, it's, you scratch your head. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the street. Um, but you can, yeah, if you just walk around the university flat area, um, you can see some houses that don't look particularly up to snuff, shall we say, in terms of suitable accommodation. You get it both ways, don't you? Because you, a lot of this, particularly the older student flats, were once... Uh, single working men's houses. Hmm. You know, they may be over 100 years old, some of them. Yep. On Castle Street and places. Yep. And you're paying high rent for no insulation, very little insulation. Yep. And for uh, Deneen's, uh, one of the colder places will be university. So they can have poor health outcomes. It can have high energy bills. Yeah. Uh, but you can also see streets where people, where students have not looked after the rubbish. Correct. And so I guess you get it. Uh, you need cooperation in both ways. And you, you do. Um, and I often find, like, so if, if you go into a property that is obviously well-maintained, is looked after, everything's presentable, everything works, you're more inclined to look after a property like that than moving into a property where... Yeah, if you uh, if you move into a place where the, uh, the inside's all unpainted and very unpresentable, obviously hasn't been uh, done over in a long time, hmm. you're not probably as incentivized to uh, look after or improve it yourself. It's just, in fact, you you probably might cause some damage and you don't even know if you caused the damage. Because, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess if you move into a damaged property, it's hard to tell whether the damage is something you caused or something was already there. Yeah, correct. And, yeah, there are definitely still some of those houses around, I think. Um, and we have... Despite all the regulation changes, um, housing continues to be a problem to need and wide, really. There's, I don't know if you saw some of the recent um, media in the, yeah. in the um, paper about the boarding houses. Some of them are 
Some of them are really not shocking. fit for purpose. No. In fact, people have lost their lives in them with fires and things. Yeah. If you go into them, it's like you'd be made much worse off oh. when you leave. Yeah. The... Oh, what are your hopes? What are my hopes? My hopes are... Um, I guess I get frustrated, Marvin, with... Um, so the government often asks the, the Commerce Commission to get involved and do market studies into different sectors in New Zealand. So we've had a market study into the power companies. We've had a market study into the supermarkets. Um, what else have we had market studies into? Uh, so we have these market studies and nothing seems to change. You think the market studies sometimes are, are a cheap substitute for doing something? Well, they just don't seem to achieve anything. I mean... You know, you have these market studies and then nothing happens. I mean, you know and I know that we're, we're living in a duopoly with the, the supermarket chains. Um, we know that we're paying inflated prices for groceries and yet even when we've had a market study which seemed to identify that that was a problem, nothing's happened. So that's, that's what I'd mm. hope for. <laughs> One of the things that always bothers me a little bit is I know that I'm paying the same amount for food that's uh, grown locally, often in the South Island, yep. as somebody in Europe who's had added value on the, on the process of the food. Mm-hmm. And, then they've, and then they're also paying for the transport of the food mm-hmm. to Europe or Asia or wherever and we're paying the same price that they are yeah or more or more and that's doesn't seem fair and doesn't seem necessary so that's about profiteering I think and um, unfortunately unfortunately or fortunately I don't know how you look at it but um, we live in a global economy don't we and the fact, as you quite rightly point out, um, because they can sell New Zealand meat or dairy for X amount in other countries, the excuse we're given is that's how much they can okay. get. Um, we've got about a little less than a minute, so can you? Um, what keeps you going when times seem difficult? I like to think I'm optimistic, I enjoy my job, and I like making a, a difference in people's lives. And, yeah. You can help individuals even if you can't change policy very easily, can't you? Correct. And we do some of that work as well at the top of the cliff, trying to get policies changed. So. Well, thanks a lot, Andrew. We appreciate having you all on Community or Chaos. You're vel- Welcome. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.